0: Welcome to the Expat Empire podcast, the podcast where you can hear from expats around the world and learn how you can join them. Hi everyone, thanks for joining us today on the Expat Empire podcast. Before we get to the interview, I want to remind you that we're offering a free consulting call to anyone interested in moving abroad. Whether you're thinking about retiring somewhere warm, starting an international career, or becoming a digital nomad, we're ready to help you think through the next steps in your journey. Send us a message at expatempire.com to schedule your call today. With that said, let's start the conversation. Hey, Francis, thanks so much for joining us today on the Expat Empire podcast. David, thank you so much, man. It's a pleasure. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. And you've been to some really cool spots. You've obviously uh, traveled quite a bit. You've lived in some interesting places. So really excited to dive into that. And I guess to kick us off, if you could just tell us, a little bit about your background, where you're originally from, where around the world you've lived so far, and where you are right now. That'd be great.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And you know, I'm, as you said, I'm Francis. I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee. I guess if you want to go all the way back, I was actually born in the Philippines <clears throat> in Manila, but my family uh, moved over to to Memphis around the the early 90s. I think I was around only about a year old or so. Um, but lived there, you know, my whole life. Um went to school there, went to university in Mississippi, so I'm a bit of a Southern guy, um, more, more or less, more or less. It's kind of like my joke. I'm not sure if anyone is like listening to the audio, but I don't right. really look like your typical Tennessean, I suppose. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, over the last few years, I've lived in, in uh, Hungary, in uh, Budapest, Hungary, and in Barcelona, Spain, and uh, I run an online business working as a freelance email copywriter, email marketer, and strategist. Um, and yeah, the, the, I think we're going to dive into a bit of my journey today, but I think in a nutshell that, that explains who I am.
0: Yeah. Awesome. That's a, definitely a great place for us to start. So it sounds like you were born outside the U S in the Philippines, I believe, and then moved into the U S and kind of grew up there. But would you say that that sort of origin piece, even though you were probably too young to remember it has anything to do with your desire to be abroad or what, what was that initial? Uh, motivation or flame that really started your journey.
1: Yeah. I mean it's kind
0: of kind of interesting interesting to think about because I'm not really sure what started that flame. You know,
1: I'm 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 positive that something with you know my family being immigrants and you know kind of going back and forth between the states and the Philippines, it definitely had something to do with it. But um I do remember just being like six, seven years old and you know looking outside of my window and being like, oh man, I really want to travel the world I want to see what's out there and I think it was slightly like crazy thoughts for someone who's only six seven you know who's explored only the the boundaries of my neighborhood on on, you know on my bicycle or tricycle or something you know so um, (laughs) I think it definitely added to it Uh, I think growing up I went to different schools my family moved around um, in Memphis a good amount so I think this idea or this feeling of kind of always being out of my comfort zone and meeting new people and, um, you, know, you know, understanding people from different backgrounds and learn more about them. I think that's always interested me. And then, you know, when I went to U university and I actually took a class trip um, to Europe, you know, we studied for about a month and a half in, in Germany and in Italy, I think um, something really struck a chord with me. And I was like, I really want to go, go somewhere else other than Jackson, Mississippi. Where you know I was at that time, so it mm-hmm. was something that's been kind of I've been feeding ever since I was a kid. But uh, yeah, I think it's always it's always been there.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Was it uh, those experiences specifically in Europe that made you think that Europe was the the place for you, or were you open to kind of being anywhere in the world? How did you ultimately get your start in in Budapest then?
1: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think that trip, of course, it it was the first kind of. Uh, inkling of like, you know, I want to go to Europe. I think only because that's the only place I've been. And I've been to parts of Asia, well, just the Philippines, really. But just being in Europe, Mm -hmm. being 20 years old and just being so excited that I was doing something pretty cool. And I think that feeling has always like stuck with me. You know, of course, there's a lot of beauty uh, in Europe with the beautiful buildings and the history. And I think I was always kind of uh, interested in that. Uh, Growing up in Memphis, I, like my favorite basketball player was Pau Gasol. And I was like, you know, who's the Spanish guy who's like in Memphis? It's so crazy. Um, <laughs> so I think this uh, feeling of Europe, of course, um, I've always been attracted to it. Really loved the vibe, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I never counted out Asia. That was actually a big part of my plan prior um, prior settling prior to settling down in Budapest. You know, um, hmm. originally came here to teach English, and my whole plan was to teach english in five countries in five years and after my plan was to teach in Mm -hmm. in hungary for one year and then eventually go to asia but then that never happened so i just ended up falling in love with the city and settling (laughs) here so
0: yeah that's great and and how many years has it been that you've uh, been living there so far
1: oh man i've been here five years now i think yeah five years i think five years next week um and yeah i've been telling a lot of people that it's kind of a People have been asking me that lately and everyone kind of like, even some of my friends who've been here for, you know, two, three years or I've known for a while, they're just like, man, you've been here quite a while. I other people are like, you know, we've been here quite a while. There's been a handful of guys here who have been here five, six years as well. So, um, yeah, it's wild. yeah, it's wild to think about.
0: Here in Porto, when I have my meetup group, it's kind of funny because I started only a few months after I arrived here. But now it turns out that a year and a half here has made me a veteran in the city. Uh, most people seem to have just arrived in the last weeks or last uh, month or two. Obviously, the whole pandemic situation made anything probably in between that and when I arrived more difficult. So it's it's understandable. But it's funny to think, like when I'd say I've been here a year and a half, people are somehow amazed at my seniority yeah. and my status in the the Porto scene, even though I still feel very fresh and very new. Um, so it's funny for me to be, meet people that are five, six, 10, you know, years here in uh, Portugal. And uh, yeah, so I can understand people having that uh, reaction to you as well.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. It's funny. It's funny. But yeah, I've been here a while, man. Been here quite some, some time.
0: So how did you find that first job then? And, and ultimately, why was, uh, why was Budapest the first place for you? Uh, of course, you decided to stay in the end. But how did you think, hey, this is the place t- for me to go first?
1: Yeah, I mean, I found, uh, I found Budapest after spending one year in Barcelona, working with a teaching company there called Medeas. Um I'm pretty sure that company has grown exponentially over the years, um, kind of to rival the Auxiliaris program. And um, you know, so I wanted to continue living abroad. I didn't want to necessarily do it in Spain at that time because I was thinking I'm young. I should definitely go out and like see someplace else. Um, and originally, I was going to move to Hong Kong. I had the okay mm-hmm. from another company. They were like, "Yeah, just sign this contract within the next two and a half weeks, and <laughs> you'd be good to go." <laughs> and I don't know why, but I was you know ha- still hanging around like these uh, ESL forums, and somebody mentioned that this uh, company. And Budapest was looking for teachers and I kind of just thought it was a crazy idea I was like why don't I just apply and see if I get it you know these hiring processes can be pretty quick and they were really fast as well and I went through um two rounds of interviews you know sent some documents in, and I got it within like 10 days and you know, they offered me a contract mm. and I was like, oh, what, what do I choose? Do I go to Hong Kong or do I go to Budapest? I have no idea. <laughs> but um, I chose Budapest because I was originally supposed to go to Budapest for a trip with some friends, but then it, it got canceled. So I kind of had like this gut feeling of, oh, I should go to Budapest instead of Hong Kong. Mm. And, um, you know, maybe irresponsibly, I just jumped on it. You know, I signed the paper like within two hours and was set. And then um, when I I didn't even I didn't even like Google or YouTube, any videos of of what Budapest was going to be like or anything. I was in my head. I thought it was going to be like super Soviet block, like crazy kind of uh, Mm -hmm. decrepit, you know, Um, but it wasn't like that at all. You know, I I come here and it's a bustling city. It's incredibly fun. It's modern. Um, It's plenty of stuff to do. Um, A lot of really cool people from literally everywhere are in budapest um and that was 2016 and it's even grown a whole lot even more since then and uh, that's one of the reasons why i fell in love with it and stayed it's mm-hmm. just because you know, one it's beautiful but um you know and i was in my kind of mid to early 20s i was just having a great time you know meeting people from everywhere and kind of um you know diving into the scene and then uh, i've just stayed ever since and for me it's i still consider it i consider it home you know you uh, just as much as I do Memphis and and anywhere else. So
0: yeah, um, yeah, that's how I ended up here. That's awesome. Is there anything in particular about it that really, I guess, surprised you outside of maybe your expectation of it being more the Soviet Bloc style country uh, and being quite different, but in terms of maybe the culture or just were there any parts of the experience that you really had to get used to and perhaps that you weren't really prepared for? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think because, you know, of course it was kind of like this, soviet style place for for such a long time and um it's only kind of been out of that since the 80s so one thing i kind of had to um funny thing to kind of balance is like this old style budapest and this new style budapest you know when i was working mm. in the kindergarten um as a teacher i was working a whole lot with with people who were in their 50s and 60s um even a little bit older so they had a different mindset compared to someone who's mm-hmm. in their twenties and thirties. Um, you know, of course a typical uh, difference in mindsets from someone from the twenties to someone in their seventies, but then you kind of have this people in their twenties who, you know, they're speaking English, they're, you know, mm-hmm. going out to, to clubs, That's mm-hmm. more free, you know, it's a little bit more liberal and free there. So, um, kind of going in between of like working with my Hungarian colleagues who perhaps maybe had a different mindset, um, you know, of course, not to generalize. There, of course, we were a bit more progressive, but um, it was it was kind of funny to 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 deal with that in between. Um, and I think it's you kind of see it everywhere, right. like even the buildings and in politics. And you know, I say the buildings because you know there'll be some old building there that are, you know a couple hundred years mm. old, and then right next to it is like a Starbucks. So it's um, that's something I, I really had to get used to. You know, of course, there's other things in regards to. Mm uh, like weather and never, never been in a place so cold before really. And, um, you know, the language, of course, (laughs) Hungarian is is like incredibly difficult. I took lessons for a year, um, and I was able to speak it okay, but it's seriously so difficult. So I think, um, a lot of the standard stuff most people deal with when they move abroad, um, but I was lucky to, to be with, um, you know, a, a really great group of people who helped me with that transition.
0: Yeah, so digging into that a little bit uh, on the language side, at least uh, to start us off. So, have you found it difficult at all without being able to sp- speak uh, Hungarian fluently? I assume not. I've been there before, uh, twice actually, one week each time, and I absolutely loved it. So, I got a sense that it was quite. You know, quite cosmopolitan, quite, uh, you know, an incredible place of, as you said, a lot of different people from all over the world. So I imagine, and, and of course, as you were working originally as an English teacher, it was probably fine without it. But do you feel like maybe you missed anything by not being able to speak it uh, super fluently? Or what would you suggest for other people thinking about maybe moving there in the future?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it hasn't been that difficult. You know, in 2016, the, the city was still kind of growing like, you know, a bit of a boom with this expats moving over there, you know, new teaching programs and stuff like that. So it wasn't so difficult. Um, of course, being, Bud- you know, Budapest being as it is, this is the hub of, of businesses and in the international life kind of, the more you, the more you get out of the city center and then things like that, the harder it, it would be, but then, um, you know, to speak English. But as far as I know, the the teachers I know who were, uh, working in other cities and towns and even villages in Hungary English is like a big thing that the young people are uh, are are learning and it's really ingrained in the in the culture and you know a lot of the people who I would say a, a lot of people under the age of forty probably speak English fairly well um, you know of course there's some exceptions um, but I don't think I've I wouldn't say I've missed out much because I think um, kind of where I the things I do in Budapest, I'm kind of always surrounded by people who want to be very helpful. Um, of course, I've missed out on having like the satisfaction of speaking it fluently or having awesome conversations with people who don't speak English. Um, and I was a little bit better better at that, like a couple of years ago when I was taking those lessons <laughs> and using it pretty often. But um, I think if somebody's listening to this and you want to move to Hungary, you maybe Budapest, then you're going to be just fine. You know, definitely learn the basics, maybe have some fun learning some phrases, but, um, no one's going to be super upset that you, you can't speak, um, Hungarian perfectly.
0: And also, how did you get that start with this great group of friends that you mentioned? Were they other fellow expats, locals as well? How did you meet them? And how did your friend group evolve over that time? I know, maybe it might look different today than it did when you first arrived. So it'd be interesting to hear a bit about that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I first came to Budapest, I was, I really find myself incredibly lucky because I, I came in with, um, you know, I, I was part of a teaching program. This program was still fairly young. And so there weren't that many teachers in the program. I think there were only around like 20 to 30 tops. And I think nowadays they're clear. I think they're way over a hundred now, but back then it was like a small group of people. And, you know, we're kind of, we're all from, you know, English speaking countries, Australia, the States, England, South Africa. Um, and so I was able to instantly make friends with these people who were, who just wanted to feel okay in this new city. Um, and, you know, that was like my first group. And we, we really discovered the, the whole town, you know, together. And you know, so we would, but the great thing about Budapest is, you know, because they know it, it's international and there's people from other countries coming in, they throw are events all the time. And there's, there's bars and stuff in which they, it's almost made for, um, expats mm-hmm. and remote workers and things like that. So, you know, the, the international meeting point is a very popular party slash gathering, that, um, that Budapest has, um, pre COVID I'm sure that they have it now and they're going to, or at least they're going to relaunch it, um, Mm -hmm. and things like that. But, um, that was a big thing in which you just go up to someone and just say, Hey, like, where are you from? And And that's it. And then in that time, everybody, all my friends were kind of, you know, meeting different people in their own ways. And, you know, our circle would get bigger and then I would hang out with this person, you know friend of a friend Next, you know, we're at a party and then um it it kind of grew like that and of course over the years a lot of these people have left budapest some of them have stayed um
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: some are still big social butterflies some have been a little more settled but uh, budapest still is pretty powerful in its uh, ways to invite people and help you make new friends i think um that's one thing that i miss about like pre-COVID Budapest is just like mm. seeing like my my Facebook feed of like oh, this event here this event there. You're you know if you're going to go to those you're gonna you're gonna meet someone who you think is pretty cool and think you know you're pretty cool too. So
0: um, yep. yeah, I think it's great. Right on. And uh, so now that you've been there five years, obviously we're still kind of coming out of this pandemic situation. So I know that that's changed things. But how have you seen the city change in that time? And and as you said, it's become a bit of a digital nomad hub and an expat, you know, centric place, maybe entrepreneurs and everything in between. So it would be interesting just to hear about what you've seen happen and how it's evolved over the last five years. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to think about because, you know, in
1: 2016, I was thinking, wow, it's, it's a booming place. And there's so many, you know, there's so much stuff happening and so many people are coming here. And then over the five years, like that was just the beginning. I mean, Mm. you, um, a lot of these you know, digital nomads kind of expats that I know they're looking at Budapest as like their their hub to, to travel around Europe. And so I know people who who are from you know the Netherlands, from Sweden, mm. from Norway who come here to start brick and mortar businesses to bring franchises from the other countries and set it here in Budapest. Um, mm. and then you know it's wild to you not know, go to a restaurant or something and they don't even speak Hungarian. Like no one in the restaurant speaks Hungarian. They all speak English with each other. And, um, it's it's wild how how that is, and um, you know, with teaching programs kind of popping up around Budapest. You know, as I said, my, the teaching program I joined at one point there was only twenty twenty five of us. Now there's over a hundred. Um, I think that's almost like a, a good oh wow a good way to look at the the crazy growth that that Budapest has had. And um, yeah, I mean, if you go mm-hmm. to any club or cafe or bar or really any place you know bookstore you're going to find people from everywhere and it's it's just grown so much um i think because of you know platforms like yours and uh, other podcasts and you know youtube people are, are discovering there are ways to move abroad um you know in budapest so it's it's crazy to think about because you know yeah. in 2016 i thought oh man it's so it's like this and then i found <laughs> out it's it's just the beginning and it's like yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing to, to witness.
0: Yeah, I bet. So changing tact a bit to the uh, the topic of building your business. So I know, as we've talked about, you were working in this English uh, teaching program. You've done that originally in Barcelona as well. Then you came here to Budapest, did that for a while. So what made you decide to sort of change your career? And ultimately, how did you decide to go into sort of more copywriting and, and marketing strategy?
1: Yeah, so <clears throat> after my, my second year of teaching in Hungary... I signed up for a third year, but then I realized that, I was like, one, I wasn't very good at it, and two, I just didn't like it that much. It wasn't something that uh, I wanted to sign up for and just think, oh, well, I'll just do another year because I want to live here. What I really wanted to do was build a career and something that I wanted mm-hmm. to do. But I didn't want to move back to the States. I didn't want like an entry-level job. Um, I didn't want to go back to school to find something better or bigger or anything. So I I just ended up Googling like how to make money online or, you know, skills <laughs> to make money online. Like very typical. I think this is, that's a very groundbreaking piece of a story and advice for your audience to listen to. I just yeah. Googled it. But um, yeah, but I, that's what I did. And I, I still didn't have anything to pick. You know, I, I looked into SEO consulting and I looked into blogging and things like that. But actually, I went to a to a, a meetup with the International Meeting Point that I mentioned. And I met a guy there, a young German guy named Finn Lobson. And I think I've mentioned Finn, like, probably a dozen times on these podcasts. And um, I hope he hears them. But, you know, he told me, and you know, he was 20 years old at the time, and he told me, you know, I'm a copywriter. I've been Budapest for four weeks. I'm going to go someplace else. And so I was intrigued with, you know, this freelance copywriting. And so I just asked him for some, you know, what one, you know, what is that? Asked for some resources. and Then I was like, okay, I think this is it. I don't know. There was something, there was something about it that I was like, okay, I think this is the one. Um, and so I kind of became a, you know, I, I, bought, I bought a laptop. I didn't have a laptop at this time. So this whole laptop lifestyle thing, I didn't really know because I didn't have a laptop. <laughs> and so I did buy it like a very terrible, terrible laptop on like Facebook Marketplace that it would like, unless it was charged or charging, it would die within like 20 minutes. Um, but then, yeah, I took that up to be a content writer slash copywriter. So I was a bit of a generalist at first. And yeah, I mean, I wrote my, I like, I created an uh, Upwork profile. I, I applied to a bunch of different gigs and none of them replied except one. And it was for like a $5 blog post. And, um, (laughs) It took me like four hours to write 500 words of a five dollar blog post, and yeah, when they uh, when the payment came in and it was like you were, you've been paid five dollars, I was like, oh my god, I did it! Like I've made it, and um,
0: <laughs> I fell in love with that feeling, and I've just been chasing it ever since. And so, what what does that look like from there? I mean, it sounds uh, like you've made some big leaps from those humble origins to to your business today. So. Well, what's the process to go from there? I mean, you get that first dollar or $5. Uh, and of course, maybe you're searching for your next five or 10 this time. But how, how do you really make it work? I think, um, at least from my perspective, a lot of people make this process sound extremely easy and like they snap their fingers. But uh, I want to hear the hard stuff. So tell us how it is. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely hard. It was especially the first few months because I, I went all in and
1: I, and I told my the the teaching company I was like hey I want to work part-time you know of course part-time work means part-time pay and it wasn't it already wasn't that much so I was only be, I was only consistently making about two hundred dollars a month um the school paid for my my housing because I was part of the contract mm-hmm. but the first I would say two months I, I had no work uh three months probably as well and I was like struggling. I think I lost a lost about like 15, 16 pounds because I was mm. literally, I was just living off of, uh, like eggs and bread and, it, uh, mm. you know, just like one egg in the morning, maybe an egg sandwich for lunch and like maybe two eggs if I really felt like I was, you know, if I really wanted to ball out <laughs> for dinner. So, you know, I would butter, I would butter the toast if I was feeling fancy and, um, like, yeah, it was really, really, really hard. And I had no no idea what to do. And of course, there's programs out there, there's courses. Um, right. And I, I wanted to, I wanted to get them. But, you know, they, at that point, you know, they, were, they were $500, $600. I didn't have that. I would probably have 150 bucks to my name, you know, per month. So um, it was really hard. But, you know, I, I kept at it. and I continued working on applying the jobs on Upwork. Um another blog post here, maybe a short email task there, landing page. Now, eventually I did have a small portfolio, uh, albeit a very terrible one, but it was something. And so I was able to leverage that. And um, yeah, it was like uh, just using that to attract better paying clients, not good paying clients, but better paying. So instead of the $5 blog, post, (laughs) the the $20 blog post or something like that. Um, But then, Nice. I would just I would use each each uh, project that I would win, and I would just do my very best at it and see if I could put it in my portfolio. If I could get a testimonial, and you know, once you get a couple names on your website or you know in your portfolio that you create, then you know it's going to be a lot easier to to win those clients over because of the social proof and the you know the credentials that you have. for me, also that helped me out was actually owning the fact that I was a freelance copywriter. So when I started putting it on my social media, and you know, my Facebook and my Instagram, I uh, I wasn't getting clients yet, but there was a, a teacher, uh, sorry, a parent in the kindergarten that I was working at who he added me on Instagram. And my big break <laughs> was when he added me and he was like, "Oh, you're a copywriter." And I was like, "Hey, Adam, like, yeah, I yeah. am." he's like, well, my company is looking for a copywriter. It's based in the States. And um, we don't pay much, but we need someone. And so he he, he got me an interview. I ended up getting it. And it was with a uh, full contact karate league called Karate Combat. And that was like my first big quote unquote client. Um, You know, I was able to get like 2K a month from them. But, you know, it's weird because... I was doing something very different from them, from what I was doing and probably what I wanted to do at that time. But um, even then, you know, I, I was working with them, but I was still struggling to get clients. I didn't know how to pitch people. And then I guess the real, the, the way that really, the thing that really helped me was networking and getting into mm-hmm. free Facebook groups, um, actually gen- having genuine conversations with people and posting on, you know, on my Facebook regularly and posting in groups regularly. Uh, not necessarily to find clients, mm-hmm. but really just to connect. Um, and in doing so I was able to find better groups, maybe even some paid groups and you know, of course clients would contact me for for you know, potential work. Um, and then over time, these, you know, these clients would eventually start being better paying clients to then higher paying clients. Um, and yeah, over the years, I also niched down from being a generalist to focusing mostly on email. And even nowadays, I'm, I'm more mm. email and writing YouTube ad scripts, which is something that's slightly different from what I was doing mm. several months ago. But yeah, always adapting and
0: growing. But yeah, that's just, That's the that's kind of a, the story in a nutshell. Given that you ultimately decided to go into the copywriting side of things and you've niched down in that area, um, is that something that you found that you really had uh, some natural gifts for? Or were you using a lot of different resources and tools and books and videos and courses to be able to really develop your skill set there. Because I'm sure some people listening might be interested in becoming copywriters themselves, but aren't really sure where to start outside of, okay, you know, I graduated from high school or university. I've studied English or I speak it natively. So where do they go from there? Yeah, I mean, prior to me like actually calling myself a
1: copywriter and and doing, you know, write a copy. I, the only experience I had was just writing articles for like the school newspaper. So it was more journalistic writing, but I did love writing. I I went to a very writing intensive university and things. The only difference was learning had to be persuasive. So a lot of that was just learning salesmanship and learning from other copywriters. So, um, I know that there are a lot of copy copy gurus out there who have these thousand, $2,000 courses, and I don't doubt their, their value. But you can literally find everything in like the classic copywriting books, and then once you you know these the the Joe Sugarmans, the Stephen Georgies, the uh, John Carletons, you know, those books. That's all you really need to create a foundation, and then after that, it's all about repetition and practice and feedback. So um, I did get those courses. To be honest, I only went through about forty percent of them. Um, I think it's I'm a I'm a pretty bad audio. Uh, listener and audio learner. So I had to really do to, to become like a skilled copywriter um, and get feedback. So if anyone's like interested in building like a copy copywriting business, doing it as a side hustle or going all in, I would say, you know, of course, if you want to go for the courses, you can, there's definitely some golden nuggets in all of them. But if you want to just start, then just pick up some of the, the classic copywriting books on Amazon, you know, read two, three of them, and then just start practicing and start, um, you know, learning from, learning from people on, on YouTube and the free groups. There are, there are plenty of them. So, and that's been my foundation. I've never actually finished a course and uh, <laughs> like a copywriting course, you know, as, as much as that probably displeases some of my mentors and people like that. But <laughs> um, it's uh, the only skill I really have is writing. I mean, things about, you know, sales and, Things like that, or even like running the business, I had no experience in.
0: And have you found that now you're uh, sort of living a quote-unquote digital nomad, sort of nomadic life, or uh, are you really still... I mean, of course, in the situation, it's difficult to travel, but as you were getting into it and as you were making plans for the future, were you uh, planning to be quite more nomadic or rather just stay around Budapest and live your life there? Oh, yeah, no, 100%. I was definitely planning
1: on being a bit more nomadic. So I love having Budapest as... My base, um, And, you know, my girlfriend also works from home as well. And, you know, she works online. So we're very open to, to bouncing around, going to different countries and things like that. So, you know, we were in Mexico for the first part of this year and we were very nomadic there, kind of. We didn't stay in any town or were in any city for longer than three weeks at a time. And so, um, yeah, I mean, when it's, one, uh, when it's like officially, you know, free to go, I think we're going to be, Traveling around all over. The plan is to go to Asia. Um, of course, uh, make another move uh, in Europe and to see what we can do. I think um, right now travel is open for, for certain groups of people. And um, yeah, just waiting for, for our turn to kind of not really think about it. Cause I think right now we can probably travel, but then you have to take in consideration vaccines or you know, if this country mm-hmm. is actually letting people in or things like that. So. We're just looking yeah, forward to that day. We it's complicated still it. it's, it's still complicated it's, it's probably even more complicated yeah. you no know, i think four months ago it was like you definitely can't go anywhere and now it's right, like right. Oh, <laughs> you can you can go but you can't go if you're american or you can't go if you're vaccinated or or, uh, right. or unvaccinated rather so it's uh it can be pretty tricky
0: yeah agreed and that's how we're kind of looking at it too is there's so many places that we'd love to go but just y- your eyes start crossing as soon as you look at all the the caveats, all of the requirements. And yeah, hopefully things will become clearer and easier in the near future. But as you've grown your business, do you have any main, I guess, key takeaway if you were to pick one or if you have a couple, that's fine as well. But really about being able to grow your business and be able to be more uh, working remotely, even as you said you were able to do in Mexico, You know, balancing the travel with the work and still trying to reach your you know professional goals, your Revenue targets, all of these things. Uh, any any key takeaways that you could share with us? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the main takeaways
1: is to find that community of people who who make your dream you know normal. Um, whether it's you want to have a ten thousand dollar a month copywriting business, whether you want to have an agency, or you want to be a digital nomad or an expat, if you join a community in which that's normal, then it makes it so much easier because you start connecting with people who, you know, they answer your questions and they, they don't, they don't make you feel crazy for wanting that and they make it really possible. Um, you know, it's one of the, the great things about meeting someone like you was because, you know, you're part of like this next dream I've had, you know, instead of me kind of thinking, Oh, i want going to move here and move there. It's like me, David, David's about to make my dream come true. That's awesome. That's part of, you know, that's meeting people that's getting to know them as <laughs> networking, you know, that's an example. So whether, and it doesn't matter really what you want to do is to, to find that community, find those people who, who can help you. Um, and they can be friends too. You know, I've had some right. friends who are, you know, they we're still in the, the, you know, we're still up and coming copywriters, but we're still all quite successful, but that's because we're, you know, we've made it our normal. So, um, and then I would say number two would probably be to, to always take time for yourself. Yeah, you know, there's there's no point in you know having like yeah. um, an awesomely successful business if you're incredibly uh, unhappy and if you're stressed out all the time. Um, and yeah, you know, to take care of yourself always, and that's mm-hmm. you know advice as a human to another human, but also from someone who as you know, a business owner to even maybe a fellow business owner to uh, take care of yourself. And then three is just to be patient. I mean, if you if you talk to enough people and you follow the, the system and a process that, um, you know, building your business to whatever you want it to be or moving abroad, it's going to happen. So yeah, I think those would be the yeah. three points.
0: Yeah, right on. And uh, I guess going into a bit of sort of your next plans, uh, as that was one of my upcoming questions, to the extent that you're uh, interested in sharing, it sounds like maybe you've got some new plans on the future. So if you could tell us a bit about what you're thinking about and, and why you're making those uh, those decisions today, that would be great.
1: Yeah, yeah. So my plan um, right now, in regards to like life, is is to actually move out of Hungary because it's I've been here five years. I absolutely love this place, um, and but you know it's it's time for me to kind of move on and discover a new place. So I'm looking for you know by February 2022 uh, to to be moving to Lisbon, Portugal, and to kind of have you know the Mediterranean life back. I did live in Spain <laughs> previously and. To kind of experience that and, and live that life, then yeah. But then I also want to balance that with you know, having a home base, my home base in Portugal, but then the ability to to be more nomadic, to travel for mm-hmm. two, three months at a time, and um, go to Asia and to travel around Europe and South America, while also still uh, you know maintaining and growing my business and and even um, you know helping others who who want to become you know nomadic copywriters. And helping them with that process as well. So um, that's the plan right now. Nothing's set in stone. I probably need
0: to write this down in a journal or something somewhere, but (laughs) that's the vision right now. Awesome. I love it. And yeah, glad to be playing a part in that, uh, seeing your your success and continued growth and development personally and professionally. Um, But to that end, yeah, if our listeners are interested in finding out more about you and keeping track of what you're up to and your future adventures around the world and here in Portugal, where can they find you?
1: Yeah. Well, if you want to find me on my website, you can find me at storiesandcopy.com. and copy.com. Um, send emails to my email list a few times a week. I'm trying to do it more often, but you can also just find me on Facebook or Instagram and yeah. Uh, stay in, stay in touch because I plan on having a, a book coming out pretty soon. So yeah, be on look out for that. And yeah, thank Absolutely. you so much, David, for having me.
0: Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for sharing your story. And uh, it's been awesome to hear about your experiences. Look forward to following you on social media and see where you're headed. Thanks again for joining us today, Francis, and take care. Cheers. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a minute and give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps new listeners find us and lets us know that we are putting out content that you appreciate. You can quickly find out where and how to rate us at ratethispodcast.com slash expat empire. If you know anyone who would appreciate this podcast, please tell them about it so we can continue growing the global expat empire community. Keep up to date on new expat empire podcast episodes by pressing the subscribe button in the podcasting app of your choice. You can also visit expatempire.com and sign up for our newsletter to get our free ebook, Top 10 Tips for Moving Abroad, right now. We are also on Facebook and Instagram at expatempire, so be sure to follow us there. We are currently offering free consulting calls to discuss your moving plans and how expat empire can help you to achieve them. Please visit our website to schedule your call today. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode in the coming weeks.